Joining me on the line is Hall of Famer Calvin Murphy. Needs no introduction for you Rockets fans. And great to have you with us, Calvin. Calvin Jerome Murphy. And, and I don't know if we've, <laughs> we've talked about this, Calvin, but I'm Robert Jerome Land, so we have the same middle name. True story. I'm Robert Jerome. And uh, I want to take you back about 46 years to start off with. And if you can remember that far back, but you were drafted, a lot of Rockets fans might not remember, by the San Diego Rockets. Exactly. Exactly. Do you remember what you thought when you first heard they were they were moving to Houston? And when did you find out about all that? Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, Bob Breitbart was our owner at that time. Uh, great guy. Great guy. And I had gone to uh, Mr. Breitbart and I had asked him, what was the possibility of me being a rocket for the next couple of years because I wanted to buy a home? And he told me I was going to always be a rocket. Well, two weeks later, the doggone team is sold to to Houston. And, uh, you know, he said I was going to be a rocket. He didn't say where. So I guess he didn't, he didn't lie to me, but, uh, you know, I, I, I was shocked. Uh, I got in San Diego and I immediately fell in love with it. Bought a nice little home up on Montclair Boulevard and, uh, ready for a good career there. So, uh, with that being said, uh, after the team was sold and, uh, I got to Houston, well, all was, all was forgotten and forgiven. What did you think when you first came to Houston? When I was in high school, the great guy, Lewis, Hall of Fame coach tried to recruit me to play at the University of Houston. And I told him at the time that I was never coming to Houston for any reason. And every time he saw me once I got to Houston, he said, you little SOB, you owe me four years. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, you know, I got to Houston. And once again, the first thing I did after I got acclimated, I got into the community and started immediately doing work with the kids in the community. I fell in love with it. They adopted me and it's been here 45 years. I thought you were going to say the first thing you did was get yourself a cowboy hat. It was it was a lot more of a country town back then, huh? My, my head's too small for those big hats. <laughs> what about you? You were drafted, and I believe you were drafted the same year as Rudy, right? You guys, you guys came yes. into the league together, right? Yes, we came in together. Rudy was drafted in the first round. I was drafted first in the second round, and and you know, of course, with my ego, that that bruised it. You know, first team All American three years, and uh, uh, I had originally wanted to be drafted by the you know the Buffalo Braves because you know playing at Niagara University, been in the uh, Buffalo Niagara frontier for four years. I wanted to stay around the area. Well, of course, they took John Hummer. And uh, I saw John Hummer some years later, and, and he, he said I sabotaged his career because the people in Buffalo never accepted him because they wanted me. I said, I'm sorry. But with that, with that being said, of course, uh, San Diego drafted me first in the second round. I had a, the opportunity to talk to uh, perhaps the greatest coach I had uh, as, a, as, a, as a professional, which was uh, Alex Hannum. And uh, Pete Newell was our general manager. They called me in and they assured me that I was going to be given an opportunity to play professional basketball, regardless of what all the propaganda of my size was about. They they had belief in me, they had faith in me, and uh, off we went. So, you know, I, I was very pleased once I got to understand professional basketball because all teams are not for all players. And the, and the Lord saw fit to put me with the right team at the right time so that I could show my ability to play the game. 
I never get tired of hearing stories about you and Rudy as roommates. Can you give me one of the <laughs> PG stories? You got one, something that we say for kids? <laughs> Let me think. That, that's, that's a tough one. Uh, you know, uh, Rudy Tomjanovich and I, of course, were very, very, very close. Uh, we roomed together for 10 years. Uh, we lived next door to each other for 18 years. Uh, my my uh, daughter is his godchild, and his daughter is my godchild, so we were very, very close. But we were two complete opposites. Uh, you know, they say opposite tracks. That's what it was with Rudy T and, and myself. You know, Rudy T was a horrible, horrible person to get up out of bed in the morning. And I, I think they put me together with him just so I could be his caddy. So, you know, I would have to cuss him and push him and prod him to get him up in the morning. Well, this one particular time, I just wasn't in the mood. We were playing in Atlanta, and uh, we had a day off. Uh, before we played in, in, in the garden. So I tried to get Rudy get Rudy up because we were going to go to New York that, that early that day, and Rudy called me some unbelievable name, so I said, the hell with him. So I let him go to sleep. So uh, we landed in New York. He was still in Atlanta sleeping, and I called him from New York, and I said, Rudy, you better get up. He said, oh, 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 I'm right down in the lobby. I said, take your time. We're in New York. He was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let me ask you about Rudy as the player, because I, I think a lot of people forget how good a player he was. was oh, absolutely. Was, was he the best small forward in Rockets history? Oh, yes, that, that's, a, that's a good question. Uh, you know, he played, he played the big forward for us uh, during my time. He wasn't a small forward. He was a hell of a hell of a rebounder and was a pure shooter. Yeah, and, and I took my time when I said that because I don't think people understand what when I say pure shooter uh, means. You know, you got a lot of people that can score and you got a lot of people that can get hot. But Rudy T was one of those that every night his shot was on. You know, they talk about they talk about uh, obviously when you talk about shooters, then you're talking Curry and 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 Harden. Well, that's fine. You can't touch him. You know, when we played and and and, and shot fifty percent, we had to beat people off of us to get our shot. Well, you can't do that today. So uh, when I compare Rudy to the players today, not even close. You know, anytime I needed me an assist, uh, I find Rudy T, and 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 uh, off we go. You know, seven-time uh, All-Star. Uh, he was our captain. Uh, he did it all. Obviously, and and and, and we got to talk about this. Uh, his 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 game, not his game. His his. In the, in, in his perceptions by people changed when he had that misfortune to, to get hit by Kermit Washington, and everybody thought that is what killed his career. And that's not true, because actually when he came back from that situation, he rebounded and shot better than he did before it. But he, he I guess he played one more year and decided that that was enough. But uh, hell of a teammate, uh, hell of a friend, uh, the whole nine yards. You know, Rudy was one of those kind of individuals that if you didn't want the answer to a question, don't ask him because he's not going to lie. He's not going to lie to you. You saying he was a big forward then? Would would he be a stretch for you think today, or where where would they put without him? Without a doubt, without a doubt. Uh, the, the greatest thing that could happen to any team today is to have Rudy T on the floor, being a pure shooter, and the fact that he can take you out twenty feet with that straight arm bank shot and uh, and set the world on fire. Absolutely, he'd be a stretch for. Well, before we move on from the old days, I, I do want to ask you about Moses Malone. Your friend passed away back in September. And, you know, a lot of people probably don't even remember Moses Malone today. You got to be probably at least in your 
upper 30s or older. How, how would you describe Moses Malone to, to Rockets fans and to NBA fans that never got a chance to watch him play? T- tell me about his game. You know, it's unfortunate that people thought basketball started when Jordan came in. <laughs> there was a whole brand of basketball before the Jordan era. But Moses was, in, in my opinion, in the top five of all-time centers. You know, he was MVP, what, three times? Uh, uh, he, he did it all. He's a basketball Hall of Famer. Uh, he, he was one of those individuals that, uh, as, as, uh, as a shooter, you'd want to put on the same side of the floor with him because he demanded, commanded, and, and had to have a double team every night. And if you're on the same side of the floor with him, you can pat, you can pat your stats. <laughs> and I learned that early. Uh, you know, Moses, I'm going to tell you a quick story about, about Mo so you can understand who he was. We were playing one night, and uh, just before halftime, we were sitting on the bench, and he said to me, uh, my foot's broke. What the hell do you mean your foot's broke? He said, that's like 13 rebounds. He said, yeah, it's broke. Well, he had 19 rebounds that night, and at the end of the game, I'll be gone if his foot wasn't broke. Uh, today, the, the player is out for six months. And Moses never told anybody his foot was hurt, more or less broken. And and that's the way his whole career was. He was able to play uh, at any you know at, at, at any health problem. Uh, mentally, he was so so strong. Uh, players that had to go one on one with him was afraid of him. That the, one of the greatest centers I had the good fortune to train against was Jabbar. And Jabbar could do absolutely nothing with Mo. Mo was too strong for him. And, and so anytime they matched up, one of the reasons why we were able to beat the Lakers when they were, you know, the Lakers of the Showtime era was because Mo controlled the inside. Mo was a tough guy as a, sometimes with the media. He, he had his moments, but you knew him as a person. What, what, okay, what, let, let, me, let me stop you for a minute. Yeah. I'm going to tell you why he was a tough guy with the media. Yeah, yeah. He got tired of people making fun of the way he spoke. He was, you know, Moses, you know, uh, uh, people took, you know, the way he spoke as him not being an intelligent individual, which was far from what he was. And and the media sometimes was very mean to him. And he took it personal. He was a very sensitive, uh, you know, very kind, very boyish type of an individual. And he just wasn't ready for, you know, the way uh, the media could, could embrace or attack you, depending on the situation. And this is one reason why he shied away a lot of times not wanting to talk to the media, or he was abrupt with them. Calvin, wanted to ask you about the the state of the game today. You just mentioned Moses Malone and, of course, Akeem Olajuwon, dominant Woo! centers. That's that's the way that the NBA was in the 70s, 80s. You have to get a dominant center. That's the way that you win a title. Now, as you're seeing with the teams, I, there are very few dominant centers out there. The Golden State Warriors now are the model team with Steph Curry, bunch of shooters. Is it just completely crazy to you now how the game has evolved? And uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I couldn't play in today's game. Number one, I'd fall out in five minutes because you can't touch anybody. That's the first. That's the first situation. But when you start talking about the style of the NBA game today, yes, it has. Been. When they when they put that three point line down, the game changed forever. Uh, that's all the game is consisted of. And, I, you know, of course, I don't understand it. I've made a Hall of Fame career out of shooting an 18-foot jump shot. I went for quality instead of quantity, whereas today people are, are excited about the home run shot being a three-point three point shot itself. And with that being said, you, you know, you don't necessarily have to have a big man uh, to win the, the big games anymore. Of course, 
you know, Tim Duncan would tell you that's wrong since he's won five five rings and he's still going strong in today's game. But everybody is is, is facing their offensive uh, uh, situation on the three, and then of course you got people uh, like Curry that that just just a phenomenal shooter. You can't touch him, so no way you're going to ever stop him. So I don't particularly like the NBA game today. It's it's too soft for me. It's the the, the, the officials control too much of the game. You you, you know you you got uh, doggone. 45, 48 free throws a, a night, which I wouldn't have mind shooting it during my era. But, but you know, the game itself is so toppy. Uh, I, I would like to see some of these players today that are today's stars and heroes play during the era where every night they were hanging on you. Every night you had to find a way to, to if your job was to get 25 points, to get it without the help of the official. Uh, James Harden. Uh, 14, 15 free throws uh, a night. Uh, and, and that's no knock on James, but but the fact that the bumping that we got uh, during the time would not allow us to get to the line where he, you know, he gets bumped and he goes to the line all night long. So you know that's a little jealousy uh, with today's game, but but the but the game itself uh, is 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 not a pure game anymore. Well, you know something about shooting. Let me ask you, is Steph Curry the best shooter that you've ever seen? No. Who's the guy? Well, there's a bunch of them. There are so many people that can shoot the ball, but depending on how the, how the referees allow the, the bumping and holding to go from night to night. Let me be egotistical. I, you know, I shot the ball as well as, as, uh, as Seth uh, uh, Curry. Uh, Pistol Pete, who was my all-time everything, shot the ball just as, as good uh, as, as, as Curry did. Uh, downtown Freddie Brown was a from Seattle was a hell of a pure shooter. Uh, Earl of Pearl Monroe shot, you know, 50% and above uh, uh, during his time. Uh, you know, I can go on and on and on of, of, of the players. And, of course, you know, when I tell the young players that today, you know, they always say, you old relics always think you guys are better than us. Well, yeah, I do. <laughs> But uh, here again, it's the style of play that makes people who they are today. Could Curry have shot the ball that well with us? Absolutely, if we hadn't let him. The first thing we would have done was knocked him down two or three times. I know a little bit of something. <laughs> I know something about that. <laughs> hey, Calvin, what do you think about the whole situation whenever Charles Barkley starts talking about the Rockets and, and gets on Daryl Morey about analytics? Where do you fall with that? Are you somebody that – is in line with today's game and the focus on analytics, or do you kind of agree with what no. Barkley says? And uh, just, just where are you with that? Well, I, I, I'm not an analytics fan, you know that. You know, but you know, this, that, that's a whole new brand of basketball. Uh, you know, I, I'm old school. I'm going to always be old school. But with that being said, I am a fan of Daryl Morey's. Okay. Uh, that, now, if, if that makes sense, I think he's done a tremendous job putting the Rockets together. Oh, and, 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 and with that being said, uh, uh, the analytics in, in the stat sheets from 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 my teachers, like Red Orbeck, when I was a kid going to his uh, summer camps, you know that doesn't tell you who gets the loose balls, who gets the rebounds, who does all the dirty work, and get and, and don't get any accolades from it. Uh, analytics tells you. Uh, uh, what side of the floor you can, you know, you shoot best from. It tells you who you match up well against. We already know that. <laughs> so, so I'm not, I'm not a fan 
of, of uh, analytics telling me how to play the game. But but Daryl Morey himself, I think, is a master at putting talent together. Now, once you put that talent together, it's up for them to to uh, make sure that they play well together. What do you think it is about uh, Daryl Morey that you really like then? What's what's the thing, attributes as a general manager that you see in him and, and how he can uh, still direct the Rockets into the future here now? As I said earlier, it's not all teams are for all players. And it takes a knack to get players, especially when, you, when you're dealing with professionals, because everybody was the king of the hill somewhere before they got into the pros. So if you can get these players to come in and accept a, a, you know, a role on a team, and that's a lot based on your personality, you've done a hell of a job putting the team together. And uh, the, the one thing I think one of the Rockets' problems is that they like each other too much. <laughs> you know, if that makes any sense. During my time, we fought and argued with each other uh, about guys not doing their job, uh, you know, guys not, you know, putting forth the effort in practice and things of this nature. Well, he put such a, he put a team together of personalities that they're all such nice guys that, you know, I'd like to see a little more vinegar in some of the blood uh, of the players. James Harden, a lot of, he's gotten a lot of criticism, obviously, this year with, what all has happened with the team? How much of the, that do you think is fair that people have heaped on Harden with with what's going on? What what are you seeing with this team? How much? What percentage is that? And where do you think James Harden needs to go as a as a player and as a leader before the Rockets are able to win a championship? When you talk about James Harden, much given, much is is expected of you. So that that you know that that's with any superstar. That's LeBron. That's Curry. Uh, you know uh, anybody that is supposed to be the man has got to step up and be the man. It's it's, it's that simple. Uh, I think Harden is a very very talented individual. I'd like to see him stop dribbling so much and pass the ball a little more. But uh, with that said, we all have our little quirks about our game. You know how we get our rhythm. But you know, I'm not. I'm not a big believer on on leadership in the pros. I am in high school and college, but in the pros, everybody that's in a uniform should not have to be motivated to do his job, especially if you're making fifteen, sixteen million dollars a season. I didn't say a year. I said a season. That's six, seven months. So if you've got to have somebody lead you, then you need to go play uh, ice hockey or something. I, I, you know, and that's not a, a knack on the skaters. But but but. Uh, uh, the only the only the only quirk I have with James Harden, and he's one hell of a scorer. Nobody in the league can stop him. He can get some numbers, and he can get some numbers in a hurry. And he has really improved his game since he's played with that Olympic team. You know, when he got around Kobe and the guys that know how to play, they taught him the game very well. So he has definitely improved. But he's never going to get his accolades until the Rockets win. It's that simple. You, you, t- you talked about his dribbling there, and that's a good question because I've said this before, and I don't know if you agree, but I feel like they need to get a point guard that he's got confidence enough to give that guy the, the offense a lot more of the time. And I think when he's playing off the ball more, I think the Rockets' offense flows a little bit better. You want it to end up in his hands eventually, but uh, what do you think about that? Well, you know, Harden and I had this, a similar game. You know, I came into the league as a point guard. And they moved me to the two guard. I was the smallest two guard in, in you know, in the NBA history. <laughs> and and uh, so they, they wanted me to be the finish. Well, I was able to do that. You know, not everybody can do that. You know, now let's you know, 
James dribbles the, ball, dribbles the ball a great deal. We all know that. And and I like to see, as I said earlier, a little more passing. But he does a hell of a job distributing that ball now. You know, he fifth a game, and he's truly a, uh, a two guard. Now, if you change him and try to make him something he's not, you're going to take half of, half of his effectiveness away. So it ain't going to happen. So he he is who he is. So you got to find someone in the backcourt with him that is versatile enough to be a part-time point guard and a part-time two guard. It's that simple. Calvin, you have the crystal ball here. What do you see for Dwight Howard in the future, both finishing the season with the Rockets and as he enters okay. free agency? I knew that was coming up. Now, <laughs> let me say this to you. Let me say this to you. I am the biggest Dwight Howard fan you will ever find. It's unfortunate that that perception is that he's soft. It's unfortunate that perception is that he doesn't take the game serious. It's unfortunate that perception says he is not a winner. I don't care what Charles Barkley or anybody else on the national scene says about him. I watch this man every night. I watch him in practice every day. I watch him get himself ready to play. Nobody ever talks about when he was in L.A. and he had just come off that serious back injury and he still averaged 17 points, 10 assists, and they took him as a dog. That was wrong. Do you think it's, it's also wrong that people think that those two guys don't get along, James and Dwight? Well, you know, hey, you know, who cares what the public thinks? It's what they think. They said that, that, that Kobe and Shaq didn't get along. They won five rings together. Who cares? In professional athletics, it ain't about liking. It's about respect. There was players I played with in my career I didn't like, but I respected them enough to play basketball with them because they did their job. And that's all that matters. See, a lot of things is, is, is perpetrated through, through press. If the press has something, then it becomes the Holy Bible. And that's wrong. James Harden is a nice guy. Different personality. Dwight Howard is a hell of a guy. Now, the personalities may not allow them to hang away from the game. They may not be personal buddies out in the street. But they play well enough together on the floor to win. I mean, you know, and I've watched these things. When I, when I read and hear these situations about people like it wrong, I, I look to see how they play together on the floor. When Dwight pops open, James gives him the ball. Dwight sets a pick. When he rebounds, he kicks that ball out to, to, to uh, uh, Harden. What else do people want? They want them to be kissing cousins? So do you think the Rockets would ultimately be ma- making a mistake? Dwight Howard's going to opt out of his contract in the summer. He, he walks and they don't try to pursue him. Well, you know, I can't really answer that because I don't know what their relationship is. I personally can't mercy. And everything I said today was my opinion. I don't speak on behalf of the Rockets. So anything I said today is what Calvin Mercy takes. Now, to answer your question in that direction, I hope he doesn't opt out because he is still one of the best centers in the game today if he stays healthy. So I would not like to see him opt out. I have not talked to him about that. I don't know what the Rockets' plans are uh, about trying to keep him. But my opinion is he's a winner, and I hope they keep him. Tell me about Bill Worrell. W- w- tell me a good story, a Bill Worrell story that y- you love to tell about Bill. I, I got to hear one of those. I, 
even like Bill Warrell. I don't like people <laughs> think I like him. <laughs> well, one of the greatest guys you'll ever get to know. I mean, he taught me the business. Uh, he came to me and he said, Murph, I'm interested in, in, in getting a partner, uh, you know, to work with me on the air, and uh, I, I like it to be you. He said to me, he says, you know, we're going to give you on the job, we'll give you on the job training. You can be you. As long as you don't use any four-letter words, we'll be all right. <laughs> So with, with 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 that being said, uh, it it worked like a charm. I mean, he was a joy to work with. He let me be me. I remember one time they tried to put me in a in a, in a plane, and I used to call them white boy blazers, and uh, and my personality disappeared. And the next game, Bill said, "If you don't put back on your regular clothes, I'll kill you." <laughs> <laughs> so so working with Bill was great. My mom, my mom adores Bill. Just absolutely adores him. She's 85 years old. And the funniest thing she's ever said to Bill was one day when she first met him, she says, Oh, you're not bad looking for a white guy. (laughs) 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 And Bill could not, he laughed for three weeks straight on that one, you know. (laughs) But but Bill Warrell is a a, a professional, professional's professional. But I miss working with him behind that desk. Uh, we are still personal friends. When I was at the lowest in my life, uh, he was he was right there standing beside me, holding me up. So he can't never get rid of me. And he's been trying hard, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, that's the legend, Calvin Murphy. Thanks for taking the time, first of all. And great to talk with you and love hearing you on the broadcast. Uh, it's so much fun with uh, you and Kevin Eschenfelder. And just uh, thanks a bunch for coming on with us. Well, thanks a lot. You know, I like to run my mom. <laughs> yeah, we also have a soft spot for you because, you know, your your son played at our alma mater, Strake Jesuit. And, oh, yes. And my baby sister used to be a cheerleader for your son. And she was friends with him back in the day. So biggest, the, the biggest mistake I made was taking him out of Strake. I took him out of Strake to put him at Willow Ridge because I wanted to see what he can do in the public uh, school league, and that was that was a dumb move on my part. Number one, uh, he had a, got a great great education out of Strake, and 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 I and, and Strake taught me that basketball is basketball, no matter where you play it. If you got the right players and the right coach, and they had it, they had one of the best high school teams in the country during that time. Yeah, they had a fantastic team. Jake Vosco went on to win a national championship with UConn. Yes, yes, and that's another similarity with uh, Rudy Tomjanovich too, because Trey Tomjanovich went to uh, Strake as well. So exactly, you know, uh, Vasco and 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 Mike LeBlanc and Calvin Junior and them, they all came out of my bitty basketball league. So yeah, so you know, they, they stole my players and and prominence, and I got nothing for it. I got a problem with that. <laughs> Well, thanks so much, Calvin. Hey, 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 always a pleasure. We'd love to have you back sometime and uh, just uh, can't, can't wait for some more Rockets. Well, I appreciate you. God bless. Bye-bye.